Hello and welcome to the Q York podcast. It's great to have you with us today and we hope that as you listen, you'll be inspired as we continue on our shared quest together. This podcast is entirely free and yet it's not cheap to put together and wouldn't be possible without the generosity of our supporters. So if you consider yourself a supporter of Q, then please head to qyork.co.uk and hit donate to show your support today because there really is no Q without you. Thank you and enjoy today's message. All right, happy Father's Day to all the fathers. <laughs> and any of you who have done some fathering, <laughs> um, I've had that privilege with, uh, with the circumstances of Riley's life and uh, that's been a great pleasure and sometimes wish I could set the clock back and give Joel another run at this. <laughs> by some of the things you learn, but we do our best, don't we? There's no manual comes with kids, and that's sad. All right, tonight, so some of you may have struggled if you're old school, like, you know, I come out of old school roots with some of the terminology and language of Brian Cox's statements about billions of years and all that um, kind of stuff, but um, I want to try and open up your thinking a little bit tonight as we just begin a little journey continuing to look at the sacred and our connection with it and our oneness with all things. I don't know if you've ever looked at a goldfish in a goldfish bowl and wondered what the goldfish is thinking. He's inside of that thing and his, his vision of the world is far greater than his ability to experience the world. And you could take that thought a little bit further if you have a tropical fish tank, if you're posh. And you keep those fish and they live in their little ecosystem, but at the end of the day, they are fish from the ocean that are locked within the confines of a glass prison. And the saddest part of it is that they can see out of the glass prison. Now you imagine if you took that, that aquarium and you lowered it into the ocean so that all the fish in that aquarium can see the vastness of the ocean and all the world that is going on outside but never be able to experience it because of the glass walls that have been constructed for them in their artificial environment means there is something bigger out there but they are not able to experience it because of the limitations that have been placed upon them. I sometimes wonder whether the whole process of what religion has made of the message of Jesus and of the wonder and truth about the Creator has actually put us inside of an aquarium where we all swim around in our little eco-world and it just seems like everything, but actually there's much bigger out there. There's something much greater. And sometimes we get a glimpse of it, but can't often experience what that freedom feels like because what we can see, we can't experience, but we can see it. And so tonight is a lot based on we would like to break the aquarium glass and say there's a whole big ocean of truth and understanding and revelation and actually a truth of God. Now, again, I come back to Brian Cox. You know, you, you may not agree about the earth being and the universe being billions of year, years old and will go on for billions of years. And actually, in one sense, I really don't care. 
because that's just an attempt to say we came from somewhere and we're going somewhere and this whole thing is going somewhere. And wouldn't it be sad if in our little journey through that process, we missed the bigness of what this is really about because we got ourselves stuck in an aquarium where we're swimming with other fish and we get fed, we get some, you know, some food thrown to us, but actually we don't know how to experience the bigness of what is out there and to understand there is a whole ocean of life that is going on. I believe that's what Jesus meant when he said, I've come to give you life in all its fullness, not life in a fish tank, which the church can tend to be, but life in all its fullness. Now, I do also appreciate that once you get outside of the, the aquarium and into the ocean, there are predators. And it's a dangerous place. But if you want to experience anything that's good, there are dangers that go along with that. But I believe enough to know that Jesus was not misleading us when he said, if you follow me, you'll find what life is really about. So don't be afraid. We can get so afraid of the predators that we'd rather stay inside the fish tank. We want to break the fish tank today so you can swim in the fuller ocean of the love of God, the divine, the creator, and understand how much you are one with all of that. I love what Brian Cox says at the end. He says, life is just a temporary home for all the immortal elephants. Right. My, my version, life is just a temporary home for all the immortal elephants that build up the universe. So tonight we're talking about immortal elephants. If you for one minute have an encounter with an immortal elephant, it will change your life. Whether it's got big ears or small ears, comes from India or Africa, whatever. Okay, so life is just a temporary home for all the immortal elements that build up the universe. And I don't want us within what we have to live in life to miss the fullness of the vast ocean. Whether you call that ocean the love of God, the presence of God, the divine, whatever. I want you to experience it all because the key is that we break out so we can become one with what all of this was about and that's what Jesus was about. It's what the gospel is about. It's what the true message of Christianity is about and I hope that you find something of that tonight. Okay, um, what's the slide? Oh, yeah, I love that. Namaste. My soul honours your soul. I honour the place in you where the entire universe resides. I honour the light, love, truth, beauty and peace within you because it's also within me. In sharing these things, we are united. We are the same. We are one. I wasn't expecting that slide there actually now, but never mind. It's a good one. I hope you're learning that one and maybe practicing it with each other. I know that I am trying to. But anyway, so last week we started a journey to acknowledge the sacredness in all things. And we learned that it's not just about sacred being set apart uh, unto a deity, because that's what we'd been led to believe, that somehow you could separate you know, the sacred and secular, which meant you either had it or you didn't. Uh, and we learned that actually it had another meaning and that, that word was precious. Oh, now how lovely to look at each other and the world and everything around us as precious and what that would do to change our world if we had that uh, intention 
when we get up every day. Anyway, religion has tried to separate those two and Anth brought a wonderful thing last week when he said, the only thing that separated Moses when he met that burning bush, which was a phenomenon, which was a bit weird, which was a bit crazy, a bit odd, the only thing that separated him from that connection was his shoes. That sounds a bit odd, but it's something that's man-made. That which we can put between us, whoo, come on, get excited. Something between us, who is precious and sacred, and what we have been told is the divine, which is out there, that we've been told we can't connect with somehow, that it's too far out there, it's, you know, it's beyond us. Actually, the only thing that was in the way was shoes. Now that helps me, and I get more excited every day when I think all the rubbish that I was taught for year in, year out is actually, it's much simpler and much sim simpler and more accessible than I ever thought it was. Now, we had a, a slide last week that said we will either love, sorry, well, we'll, we will neither love or save that which we do not experience as sacred. And you can tell in our attitudes with each other, when we do not see each other as sacred, I promise you, we can be flushed. Be honest about it. When we don't look at each other as sacred, even our environment, I mean, it took me years to recycle. I'll just be honest with you, because I didn't see the point. I'm thinking, is this really, is there a point to this? And sometimes if you follow the, the news, you'll see sometimes you're not sure there is a point because does, every, does everything you recycle go to where it's meant to go? I don't want to go in there. I don't want to go that direction tonight. But what I'm saying is we have to do our bit. We have to try. Even if ultimately those things aren't in place that give you the finished result, you want to say, I will do my bit to hold things in that sacred space. Now, it's weird because I, I know I'm a bit nuts, but I, I, I'm sharing this because uh, I just want to, you know, be... be Honest. But you see, I've always found the ground very, very sacred because I walk with my head down. And people say, oh, don't look up. Oh, no, the ground is full of stuff. And <laughs> I'm a right grubber. And as I walk, I'm looking for stuff because I'm thinking, oh, I can use that. Oh, yeah, there. I am. This is the truth. I'm not making it up. I have got stuff like you wouldn't believe because to me, there's something precious about it. Now, I want to tell you a little story. One day I was walking down the side of the church and uh, doing my usual thing, looking around, because I love pine cones, you see, and that acorn thing at the beginning was just brilliant, because I'm thinking, oh, I love them. I look at them and think, oh, wow, they're amazing. I bet some of you think, what? No, they're gorgeous. They're amazing things. And when they're dry, they do even different things than when they're green. They go brown and they're lovely. But anyway, finish my story. What happened was... I was walking down the side of the church and I'm looking for little bits of wood and stuff, as I do. And I went down, I thought, oh wow, what's that? And I picked it up. Yeah, and I held it in my hand and I thought, oh, this is awesome. And uh, as I looked a little bit closer, yeah, she guessed it, it was a little piece of dog muck. And of course, I've got it in my hand. But you know what? The shape of it the way it dries, <laughs> the little bits of sticky out bits, I'm thinking I can do something with this. Now, okay, I know you think I'm nuts, but here's the thing. Hang on, I'm going to take you on a journey now. 
The dog muck might be not so good, but go back, the dog, the life, the love, the thing that you take for walks, that comes and sits on your knee when you're feeling sad, that licks your face when you feel nobody in the world is there for you. Come on. So why is the dog muck a problem? I could say I'm actually more enlightened because I saw value. No, I didn't use it. I'll be honest. I threw it back down on the floor and I left it. I thought nobody will appreciate a craft on their wall. <laughs> Imagine with a nice piece of dog excrement in the middle that I've sort of said, oh no, it's a, it's, it's a strange pine cone from India. <laughs> now, you think that's a funny story, but I think it helps in understanding that there is beauty. You can see beauty if you're willing. I know you think I'm nuts. But anyway, we're talking about oneness tonight in our understanding of recognising the part that we play as human beings in just the great big story. And um, oneness is the underlying essence of all that is within, within us. Every single thing, even that dog muck, I'm sorry, I've got to be honest, even that dog muck is an aspect of one incredible life. And we miss some things, don't we, if we're not willing to understand that. Now, even quantum physics makes that very clear. And I'm not an expert in that. But I'll tell you what, if you want to know what the scientists are understanding, it's actually more akin with what we're talking about tonight. They're saying, heck, we're all connected. And, um, you know, there's, there's a oneness that's in it all. So here's the truth. We are oneness that expresses itself in different forms at different times. It's called I amness. Now, think about stem cells. Stem cells all start the same, but become individual based on where they place themselves. But they are never not uh, anything but what they started to be at the beginning. The, the stem cell they were then, when they become a liver or a heart or whatever, they're still part of the same source. Now, that's amazing. So there's individualism, and there's, there's, there's diversity, but it's still part of the whole. And that's why diversity is so awesome. But why... Indi oh, I've just pressed my button. Oh, stink. Hang on. Oh, dear. There you go. Um, but why individualism can be a problem, because individualism allows us to be separate from the whole, whereas diversity allows us to be Part of the whole, I hope you get this, it's so important. We mustn't forget that we're part of one source. So when you look in the mirror, what do you see? Do you see a separate, isolated being? If that's the case, you've forgotten who you are. You forget, you've forgotten that you were once that stem cell that was part of the source that went to, to produce you as your, your diverse self, but you're still part of the whole. Now, here's the thing. There's a, a slide. Have we got the one about the ocean? Yeah. You are not a drop in the ocean. You are the entire ocean in a drop. Now, some people really struggle with this because it's like when you say, um, I'm a drop, that means I have an individual 
identity. If I say I'm part of the ocean, well, where's poor me? I'm just lost. Now, some people really struggle with that, and that's fine. It's all to do with our journey. But you see, this is the issue. It screams out, I don't want to lose myself in the hole. Now, you see, if the drop that enters the ocean thinks of itself as separate, the ocean becomes a very threatening place. It asks, the, the, the drop asks itself the question, but who am I? Poor little me. What do, what do all these other droplets around me want? How can I survive this? I am so short-lived in all this vastness, in this vastness. And that can be quite a tragic experience. But what a liberation when we understand and, and consider that I am temporarily a drop, but I'm also part of the ocean. Now, some of you think, I haven't a clue what you're on about, Chris, and that's absolutely fine. But I promise you that there is something liberating about this understanding, because I know a lot of people look in the mirror on the morning and they haven't a clue. They think, what are you doing here? Who are you? I don't like you. I'm not happy. All this and the It's because you have become separate from the whole rather than part of it all. A ray of sunlight is the same thing. It's an extension of the sun. But if it forgets, again, it is threatened by the power of its source. But when it's liberated, it enjoys it all because it understands that both are from the same source. The beam can go in, the beam can go out. They express as two, but they are actually one. So here's the challenge. We are one, but we think we're separate. We've forgotten our oneness. And in fact, in our heads, even the Bible tells us that we became alienated in our minds. It wasn't a reality, but something in our heads went, I'm on my own. I am separate. And when we become that, we become independent and it leaves us adrift. So here's the thing. Do you see oneness in everything? More importantly, when you look in the mirror, do you see yourself as a reflection of the divinity you are? Sadly, we are so desperate for individualism that we don't. We forget who we are. Oh, so I think we can look at Lion King and we think, oh, I like that it's nice sentiment. You know, Mufasa the father is gone, but he lives on in his child. But can we embrace that same idea of our father, whatever you want to, you know, terms are weird nowadays, how you call things, but whether you call God father or energy or source of all being, ground of all being, can we actually accept that he lives in you, that he lives in me? And then of course it goes even more in your reflection. That's why I mentioned earlier about looking in the mirror. What do you see? Because if you can't see some divine reflection, I can guarantee that your life will be very negative and very different. Because like we said at the beginning, the way that we deal with each other and the way that we love 
or, or try to save or whatever is due to whether we feel a thing is sacred. So, the language of oneness, I'll be honest, and I've been in, quote, the Christian church uh, since I was born, so I, I have a right to speak on its behalf in that sense. But the language of oneness has been very much criticised uh, because it's like, if we make everything one, then we have a problem. Because what about all the bad people? What about this? What about that? So what we've done is separate. And that's what religion has done. It said, okay, the people who seem okay, they're one. But the people that we're not quite sure of, and okay, get, oh, this gets really complicated. Where's the line? Yeah, thanks, Georgia. I know I can su you'll support me every time. She always does. She's great. She's right on it. See, where is the line? And so we separate. And so there is a group of people who are always feeling that they're outside of it and they have to attain it. Yet there's another group who just somehow have it and they walk it easily. Now, What's really silly is that Christians, and when I say Christians, I'm talking about those who are Christ followers, who look back at his original message and say, I want to live that, which is not about a bunch of uh, doctrinal beliefs, but it's a way of being, and that, that would be a theme for another night. We're not talking about a whole bunch of beliefs, which is it's become, but it was his idea that oneness would be understood by us all. Oneness, right? He prayed in John 17, 21. He said, and is it up there? May they all be one as you, Father, are in me and I am in you. And I think we have uh, relegated that to a nice little quote that we think, oh, that was cute. But actually, it was his prayer. And if that was Jesus' prayer, I would like to say that I could almost guarantee that he gets what he wants. Now, is oneness about then us all coming into an agreement about what we all believe? Well, I would say, dream on, <laughs> dream on. Because we're all at different places. We've all had different experiences. We all come from different places. And therefore, I think what's remarkable about it all is that the journey is very particular, but we're still part of the oneness. It's like whether you're a liver or a heart or, or a leg or a hand, it's still part of the, the body and it's the same source. So it's absolutely incredible that Jesus said that they may be, thank you, one. So it's, a, it's not a prayer that we would agree uh, on doctrine, but it's a prayer that fundamentally we would un have an understanding that we're all part of one awesome being, one life source. So why is this such a problem? And I've already said it in the first slot. There's a desire for individualism. We get to the point where we think, well, who am I if I don't have a... If I have to be one, I'm not going to be anything. And I can see it, why it's such a problem. But I tried to explain in the first slot that there's a difference between diversity and individualism. Individualism separates us, but diversity is just expressions of different things made up of the same stuff. Do you get that? Which is really quite wonderful. Now, you see, if we are willing to participate in oneness, there has to be a death. And we never like death. Death is something that 
And again, this would make another great theme. What's the problem with death? I, I think we've made too much of a big issue about it when actually, I love what Richard Rower says, it's actually just a change. We're changing from this realm to another realm. But you see, once you've entered into the lie of separation, I suppose there's a great fear about it. But if you've already entered into a oneness, the oneness is only going where the oneness has already been, where it is, and where it's going to be. Are you following me? So it takes away that terrible fear. But anyway, any sense of a loss of personal identity can feel like a death because we we look to our ego to work for us and we want it to somehow separate us and make us feel special. Now that's all right. But in feeling special in one realm, we may not or we may, may exclude ourselves from being one in another. So anyway, religions, what have they done? But they've actually uh, monopolised this business of separateness and they've said, we like the idea that you, you're separate and we'll create something that if you will do this, that and the other, you can be one. When actually, you already are. Now, I just wish that we'd all come to that revelation. And, uh, you know, I say this very humbly because for 44 years, God was out there I was here and I was doing my best to do whatever it took to get in touch with this being. But then I recognised, and it was before Lion King and it was before all of that, when I actually recognised that, hang on a minute, if I can't experience him in me, when I'm always looking out there for something, then actually what we're always doing is creating a bridge. There's always a bridge, so... God's there, I'm here, and we're trying to find some way of connecting it. But if I understand that I am part of the whole, there is no bridge to create. And that's quite an incredible liberation, like we said at the beginning, if we understand we are the ocean. So I just want to leave you with a few things. And it's this. What separation does... Hang on. Hang on. I'm not good at this. Won't go. Oh, never mind. um, Separation leads us to feeling hopeless. Because when we're alone, when we feel we don't belong, there's a sense of hopelessness there. Now, I don't know whether you remember a few months ago, we did a a, 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 a night on... on, um, I can't even remember the title now. But it was that we talked about the three Ps of hopelessness and those p's are really quite interesting because when we get hopeless we think number one p it's personal it's all about me it's my fault do you get me i can't fix this so that's it i'm i'm doomed the second p is it's permanent oh it's gonna this is it it can't ever go away it's forever and then the next p is pervades it pervades everything it's not just one little aspect of our life it's our whole life and so hopelessness comes from those three p's personal believing it's my fault uh permanent because we believe it's forever and it pervades everything now here's what's incredible about our understanding of oneness that it does exactly the same the other way 
Number one, it's personal. It's about you because you are a cell that was from the original source. So it's about you. Woo. And then it's permanent. Nothing can separate you. So it's permanent. It's forever. And then pervades. It affects everything. It's not just when I come and sit in church on us. It affects everything. Why? Because he lives in you. Do you get it? So where am I now? Just to finish off. So what is the definition of salvation? We've had this idea that salvation was always about somehow all the wrongs that we'd done had to be put right and somebody was there to forgive us. But I like this. It is when you first begin to overcome your experience of separateness. That's salvation. Because the moment you awake to the idea that I am part, I'm not just the drop, but I'm the ocean. And I'm not threatened by the ocean because they're my friends. It's the the rest of the cells together. So here's the point. There's a a, a word in uh, African that's... Ubuntu, and I can hardly say it. Ubuntu, it's a great word, Ubuntu. It's like namaste. They've got some great words, haven't they? You know, some that I can't even pronounce, but they're great anyway. And it means this, I am because we are. Oh, isn't that a wonderful thought? How often do we live our lives separately instead of saying, actually, I am because we are, or I am, just as I am in the context that we were talking about God uh, and his uh, encounter with Moses. He says, who are you? He says, I am. And then what was Moses's response was, here I am. So the two I ams getting together actually allow us to become one and to, to, to move on in life. So Awaken to the light of your own being. Remember who you are. If you want to do something for God, because that seems to be what most people feel that they want to do in their lives when they're sort of approaching spirituality and things, um, then this is what I would suggest. Stop seeing him as out there. Start bringing him into the oneness of everything. Because Someone said, I think this is something that Richard Rower said, he said that we would rather worship Jesus than follow him. And it's easy to sit in a building on a Sunday and sing some songs and listen to some things, but actually what we're doing in our hearts is rejecting the whole, the oneness. How you deal with your work colleagues, how you deal with things is your proof of your understanding of salvation, that experiencing of the oneness that is with us all. So, let's see. It would all help us to understand that we worship God when we recognise the divine in all things around us. So the way you see anything is the way you see everything. Now, you might take a bit of getting your head around that. Think about that. What is it? that you see. In your reflection, what is it that you see? And if it's, you look and say, I'm alone, I'm detached, I don't know who I am, it's because you've forgotten who you are and all that you need to do is actually just open up to 
recognize again the oneness of all things through which the life force flows and uh, I can guarantee that things will change for you. So I hope you've understood and that's been helpful to your journey. We're going to sing a song just to go out with. I know we've taken a bit more time, five minutes, but we'll just sing the song I made new. And as, you, as, as we're singing this, think, okay, have I been made new? Am I made new because have I recognised, have I woken up to the fact that salvation is when I've overcome my understanding of separateness and I am one. So do you want to come up, guys, and we'll sing this and then we're done. We're ready for the kids, okay? Thanks for listening to another Q York podcast. If you've been inspired by what you've heard today, then why not email us at info at qyork.co.uk and let us know who you are and where you're listening from. We love that you're listening to us and we'd love to hear from you too. Did you know you can also watch all of the talks from Q on our YouTube channel? Just go to youtube.com forward slash Q Church York. We look forward to having you with us again soon. Until then, enjoy the quest.